Over the years, the Nationals have had some issues when it comes to prospects panning out. So let's kind of ID those issues here and really kind of get down to the bottom of it because is it a drafting issue or is it a player development issue? You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clare. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. And later on in today's show, kind of get into some pretty big news considering prospects here. Jackson Chirio, one of the best prospects in all of baseball, just inked an extension with the Milwaukee Brewers. So, can the Nationals ink an extension with one of their top prospects? We'll discuss that and who could it be a little bit later on in the show. But let's start off with this issue here because this is something that we've tiptoed around a lot of times here on Locked On Nationals. And this is probably one of the bigger issues that the Nationals have had over the last decade plus. The Nationals have never had like this bad farm system up until over the last few years. And that's really kind of brought out the people saying, well, what is the issue then? Is it player development? Is it just a lack of identifying talent in the draft and as well as international signing periods? Because I think this is kind of where it gets really intriguing and kind of when it gets down to a nitty gritty situation here. And I also think the fan base is a little bit split on this right around 50-50. So kind of seeing from everything that we can gather here, all the former Nationals top prospects there are, you can go back to Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, all the big name guys, even dating back to Jordan Zimmerman way back in the day. There's a lot of different guys we can kind of go in in here on and really discuss and kind of gather information on and then come up with a jurisdiction answer. My answer is simply put as this, and I think this has always been the Nationals issue, or at least over the last few years. I've always believed that the Nationals, they don't have a problem identifying talent. And what I mean by that is when they are in the draft, going from really just drafting from 27th overall in the first round, all the way up to fourth overall in the first round, or fifth overall, wherever they are picking, I've never believed that the Nationals, the player that they select in that slot, is someone that is kind of just out of nowhere. In fact, the Nationals, they have a very rich history of always taking the best player available. They have never had the philosophy of a team like the Baltimore Orioles, who may do the signing someone to a blow slot value, save some money later on, and then spend on a high school player maybe in second or the third round. The Nationals, they've never really gone by that philosophy. Some cases it works, in some cases it doesn't. But I always have believed in this for the Nets. This has not been an issue. The drafting and identifying talent has never been an issue when it comes to the MLB draft. And the reason why I say that is because all the guys that they draft, they go for the ceiling. The Nationals, they have always been that way. Mike Grizzo has always been a home run hitter when it comes to identifying talent. He wants to have that guy 
who has that superstar upside. He wants that Elijah Green in his system, and hopefully that is kind of when he can turn him into that superstar. Now it's not always going to be there, but that's not a lack of talent in the system, in my opinion. That is not the reason as to why the Nationals really haven't been able to develop prospects at the rate of the Baltimore Orioles have or teams like the Dodgers have, while they have continued to contend year after year after year. That's never been their issue. And in fact, I think their main issue has probably been player development. Because the Nationals, it's always been kind of an up-and-down scenario when it comes to their pharmacists. And back early in the 2010s, obviously when you have Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper coming up, and all the other prospects who are already up in the majors making those big signings, yeah you're going to have a much more talented team put around the roster. But drafting, which was Mike Rizzo's kind of protege, being a former scout and all the different things that he has done in a front office, that's never been Mike Rizzo's issue. And in fact, the issue is probably not even anything to do with Mike Rizzo. Even though he does have a hand in player development, I think that is where the Nationals have really lacked. And over the years, it's not even just about the player development, like the hands-on stuff. We all know this about the Lerner family here. They took a little bit of a while to invest in analytics. Now, you could say Mike Rizzo also had a hand in that. Maybe so, but who really knows at this moment in time? But I think that the analytical side of things as well, kind of just having every utility possible in order to develop a prospect. That is kind of where the Nationals' issue has been over the years. They have not been up to date in their player development side. They have not been known for a loaded player development side that is getting plucked every single year for another GM opening or another high scouting position. The Nationals, they've had great scouts in years past. They've had great assistant GMs like Johnny DePuglia, who just left the organization this past October. The Nationals, they've had all these different things that kind of go hand in hand when it comes to player development. But also, on the other hand, they haven't been able to develop at the rate of those other systems. And I think that kind of goes down to really just a lack of player development overall. You look at Carter Keyboom, a former top 20, top 25 prospect in all the baseball back in the day. Carter Keyboom is talented. He still is talented, in fact. But I think where the Nationals kind of failed him and even the likes of an Eric Fetty, maybe even a Lucas Giolito back in the day, was probably giving him enough time to simmer down in the minor leagues, giving him enough time to really develop his game and develop his craft over at third base defensively and as well offensively. Because these guys at the Nationals draft, again, we have this track record of seeing a lot of high-ceiling guys in the draft. And it's not just the Nationals, by the way. The Nationals aren't the only team that go after the high ceilings. Usually every team will say, this guy's got a really high ceiling. Most of the time, you kind of understand they're just going to say that because they are. But with the Nationals, though, they always try to hit the home run. And when you hit the home run, you're going to be Joey Gallo every now and then. You're going to strike out every couple at-bats, in which the Nationals, they've had a fair share of strikeouts over the last few years. But even dating back to the 2020 draft, the Nationals, when they took Cade Cavalli in round one, a lot of people were kind of like, eh, are we sure about Cade Cavalli? Because he was a very good college pitcher at Oklahoma. 
But Cade Cavalli also had a lot of red flags coming out of high school with his command and all the other different things coming out of him, a weird kind of rotation and coming out of the stretch in a weird way. There's a lot of different things that scouts kind of pinpointed when it came to Cade Cavalli. And that's where a lot of people said, eh, I don't know about that pick. But I also think the Nationals, they're one thing over the years. They've always gone for that high ceiling. And when you go for that high ceiling, it's really up to your player development staff to be hands-on, use all the analytical tools that you can, and not even just analytics, just using every tool possible to make sure this prospect develops. Now, you may be asking, obviously, player development is where I stand on this. I've never believed that the Nationals have had this drafting issue. I've always believed that it's been once they get in-house, the Nationals, they have the talent, but what are you going to do with that talent now? That is where this issue has always rung, in my opinion. And it's not on Mike Rizzo. Again, I think it's probably on the player development side, the guys who are hands-on with these guys every single day, not having the right amount of coaches at every single single-A affiliate or not having every analytical tool possible down at the Fred Nats. Whatever it is, that is where I see the Nationals really struggling in that department. Now, going forward, though, the Nationals, they've looked themselves in the mirror, and they've said, we need improvements. We need to kind of sculpt up our farm system yet again and try to make a run that we did back in the 2010s. And I think over the last few years, trading away Juan Soto certainly helps to bulk up and kind of fatten up your farm system there. But also developing into player development into analytics, hiring new kind of just fresh thoughts in the organization alongside Brad Ciola coming from the Baltimore Orioles and Danny Haas coming from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Both those guys, and also Eddie Longo's taking over as the director of player development, in which kind of every day goes by. I love that decision because a young, analytical-minded guy, Mike Rizzo's a traditional scout. You have two guys in those buildings who think two different ways, and I think that is kind of the method to the madness, in my opinion. I think that is when you'll get the best results possible because you shouldn't be all in on one direction here. Obviously, I do favor analytics more, but also traditional scouting does work. Seeing the guy play the game does work. Seeing his raw skills in person, seeing what he can do, seeing what his ceiling can be, that also still works. So having now multiple guys from multiple different backgrounds in the same front office, making decisions together, working hand-in-hand on player development, I think that is when you might be able to see your Elijah Greens kind of pan out a little bit more. Even dating back to an Eric Fetty coming out of college at a UNLV, seeing him come in and take those next steps in his development. I think that is where the Nationals will see a major jump going forward. And in fact, it's something that has to happen. This isn't something that you should just say, I don't want to see happen anymore because we've never had a lack of talent in this farm system. Now you could say kind of drafting later on in the rounds and the nationals certainly have yet to really be big contenders later on in rounds, signing these high school talents in mid to later rounds. But I think that's going to start to change a little bit more. I think the nationals with guys like Mitchell Parker, who are taken again, later on in rounds guys like, Name those high school prospects like Travis Sakura this year. The Nationals, they're already starting to make changes. But now, again, it's not about the drafting side and identifying talent. 
It's about the player development and now what you can do with this talent. So seeing the overhaul of this offseason, I think that is when right now, over the next year or two, that is when you're going to start to see a little bit more prospect growth. I think it's going to be because of the recent hires and as well as developing a new analytical sound system here that works for everyone involved. Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, check us out. Make sure to search us on YouTube. Just search Locked On Nationals there and hit that subscriber button. Before we kind of get into talking about can the Nationals extend a big-time prospect here? Because the Nationals, they've got their hands in a few departments here, whether it be your stud outfielding prospects, whether it be Cade Cavalli. There's a lot of different options here that the Nationals can go for, but will they do it? That's the big question. I'm going to answer that, but before we do that, let me tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. And guys, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is so easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. Tonight with the Seahawks and the Cowboys, I'm going to take a DK Metcalf anytime touchdown, as well, maybe the over on Geno Smith passing yards. I don't like the Cowboys. I don't think you do either. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on and have some fun over there. And of course, FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. Now let's get back into it as the Nationals. They've got some moves to make this offseason. We've been talking about free agency, guys that they could potentially sign. We've been talking about all the different prospects on this team in the major league level already with C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and guys that they could potentially extend. But over the last 24 hours, and really pretty shocking out of nowhere in my opinion, Jackson Chirillo, a top five prospect in all of baseball, just signed an eight-year, $80 million extension with the Milwaukee Brewers without even playing a single inning up in the major leagues. Number one, this opens up the door for a ton of possibilities going forward because you don't really see this at all. In fact, you never see this. You just simply do not see this ever. So going back, dating back to 2020, Luis Robert, he actually signed a $50 million extension before ever reaching the majors. That was the last time this ever happened. But Jackson Trio, with all the talent that he possesses, he's a speed slash power guy. He's going to hit for average. He's basically a five-tool talent as we sit here today. Someone's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise. He just agreed to an extension in which before we kind of answer the overwhelming question of this is, can the Nats do this? Some people may say that's a bad decision by him, in which you could probably make the case to, considering all the talent that he has. But still, when you're 20 years old and you're guaranteed $80 million, it's kind of tough to say no to that. And which kind of brings us to the Nationals. The Nationals, they've got a ton of younger prospects, guys that they can develop, guys that they can bring up through their own system and see what they can do with. You've got Brady House. You have Dylan Cruz. James Wood, Cade Cavalli as of recent. 
you've got a lot of different guys that you can extend. So can the Nationals extend a prospect? Well, let's start off with Dylan Cruz. This is going to be a pretty short and sweet answer. Dylan Cruz is a Scott Boris client. Yep, if it's your first time hearing that, I'm sorry. It's a little devastating to say the least. But Dylan Cruz is not going to sign an extension at this way. He's just not. Unless he were to maybe switch off of Scott Boris. But again, with the talent that Dylan Cruz possesses and really all the hype around him, even after struggling down in A this last year, Dylan Cruz is not going to be someone that Scott Boris is going to say, you're going to free agency, buddy. And about seven and a half years from now, you're going to be making hundreds of millions of dollars. You're not going to leave that on the table. So then let's close the book on Dylan Cruz and let's get to James Wood. Unfortunately with James Wood, also a Scott Boris client. Our top two prospects in this system is a Scott Boris client. So again, they're not going to be signing extensions like a Jackson Chirio one. Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the after playing one season with the Braves signed his extension. Again, not a Scott Boris guy. And you know what Scott Boris is doing? He's saying, look at Ronald Acuna Jr. One of the best players in all of baseball. One of the most talented players in today's game. Look how much money he is making compared to what Juan Soto is going to be making in one year from now. Look at how much money he is making compared to what Bryce Harper is making, what he signed in back in the day. Look at what Manny Machado is making compared to what he is making for name that third baseman, like an Austin Riley, for example, another Braves player who signed an extension. It would be a lot of fun if the Nationals could do that, but those two guys are kind of big stud talents, at least from what Major League Baseball thinks. You can't extend those guys. Which brings us to a couple other intriguing options when it comes to Cade Cabali. You could talk about maybe, just maybe, Yohandi Morales if this guy starts to really develop over the next year. Those guys like that, now we could be talking. But one guy in particular, or really two guys, in my opinion, I think the Nationals could get this done. One of them's a little iffy. The second one, I think, is actually pretty realistic. Number one, Cade Cavalli, maybe. Maybe the Nationals just have their faith in Cade Cavalli really turning it around. But at this moment in time, it's been a little sparse, to say the least, as to why we probably should not extend Cade Cavalli coming off of Tommy John surgery. We know the Nationals' luck when it comes to pitchers drafted in the first round. It hasn't been all great since drafting Steven Strasburg and as well as Lucas Giolito way back in the day. But with Cade Cavalli, you could talk about the rise and really all the prominent things around him, and maybe you can convince yourself and maybe the Nationals can convince themselves if we give him this deal and if he can be a three-starter up in the majors and maybe have the ceiling of being a two or potentially a one way down the road here, and if his medicals clear out, if we see him pitch and his velocity is back up, then I think you could probably talk the Nationals back into this. But there's one guy in particular who I would be exploring this like right this second. And would it mean that he's coming up to the majors? Would it mean that he's going to have to start the season and opening day here with the Nationals? Well, there's a lot of different possibilities here. I'm going to give you that name after this. And now it's time to give you that name to say the least. That name, you probably heard, probably did not hear because I didn't say it. Third baseman, Brady House. 
That is the guy, if I was the Nationals, if you were going to be looking in to try to extend a prospect, he is the guy that I would look at and say, he's got the talent. You've seen the development over the last year. And again, when you drafted him back in 2021, he fits that role of this guy is a ton of talent, one of the best shortstops in that high school class coming out of the draft. He fell to the Nationals at number 11 overall. You drafted him. He was going to be a shortstop. You switched him over to third base. And ever since then, it's been a seamless transition. He's hit the crap out of the baseball at relatively every single level that he's been at. And yeah, you could look at his first year down in Fredericksburg and say he wasn't all that great. But he was also shut down after, what, two months of the season because of that back injury? Brady House, I'm not concerned about the back injury. Being at that young age, was it a little like, oh no, yeah, probably. But still, I believe in the Nationals and Brady House in particular that if the Nationals were to say, we're going to sign Brady House to an extension, oh, and also, he's going to be on our opening day lineup. Is that likely at this point? No, it's not likely whatsoever. But I think the Nationals, they could get something done here. And if the Nationals really wanted to do this and be aggressive with it, I'd be all for it. Because the thing is, it's a gamble for the prospect to sign that extension. Because think of it this way. Victor Robles was someone who was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball for multiple years straight. Someone who was touted by so many scouts and so many people who cover this sport for a living. Once Victor Robles got up here, in 2019, he was good. His full rookie season, he was solid at the plate. Really good defensively. Showed a lot of promise in which we always saw that promise down in the minors. But imagine if the Nationals extended him right then and there. Imagine if the Nationals extended him in 2017 before he got the call up that fall. That would probably be a disaster at this moment in time. So there's high risk and there's high reward in this situation. But I think with the Nationals, and kind of put a bow on this show, with the Nationals and all the improvements that they have made over the years with player development, with analytics, I think now is probably the best time to do any of those moves. That is when you can really convince me that the Nationals have, number one, changed, and number two, they're going to get better. So if there's going to be a prospect to really extend at this moment in time, in my opinion, it's probably Brady House. And I think that would be a smart decision, by the way. If the Nationals were to come out and say, we're going to extend Brady House for however many years, however many dollars, sign me up. Because we don't want to see these prospects just walk away for nothing, as we have kind of seen in the past. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for the organization. You don't want to trade them away. Get them extended early on. Even if it is a risky move, that is kind of what separates good organizations from great ones hitting on these risky decisions. But are the Nationals willing to make that risk? We'll just have to see, I guess. Thank you all for making Locked On Nets your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. It was a little bit of a shorter show today, but always appreciate you guys tuning in a little bit. I've been dealing with a little bit of a sore throat here. So cold season, of course. The voice, it's been hurting lately, but we're going to get right back on track starting tomorrow. Hopefully, get some steroids in me. I'll be good to go. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Enjoy the offseason and the Nationals. Maybe they'll sign someone today. You never know.